Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. We're back with a book review. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Miss Subways by author David Duchovny. You know, huh. so I'm going yeah. to skip ahead to something I was going to save till the end. But <laughs> the way you said that is the perfect introduction. So I'm like, oh, Dave Duchovny, David Duchovny wrote a book. We should we should review this. And I get to the end of the book and I'm like, shit, he's written two other books. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, we talked about the yeah. one because the one's about the fucking cow. I'd forgotten yep. completely about that. And then I was like, did we talk about it? Because I just concocted what I think that conversation would sound like in my head. And I'm not sure if we had it, but if we didn't have it, it would have sounded something like this. Rob would say, hey, uh, David Duchovny has a book out. And I'd go, no shit, really? Huh, let's see what this is about. I'd look it up and I'd be like, oh, it's about a fucking cow. We're not going to review that. That's And I don't know if that's exactly how it went, but in my head I was like, I don't know if I knew this or not. But if I didn't, that's how the conversation would have gone. That's, that's how it went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was remembering it too because only when I was looking up the book on Amazon did I remember I, I saw the the book with the like called Holy Cow and I was like, Oh, that looks familiar. I read the synopsis, I was like, Yeah, we talked about record, reviewing this. Probably very briefly. Very brief. But very we did briefly. read and yeah. are going to review Miss Subways, for which I did not read the synopsis um at all. Because you had like messaged me. <laughs> this is this is what happens. Rob and I have this weird um, messaging relationship <laughs> where there'll be a flurry of messages. Either Rob or I will like wind up messaging like three or four things over a short period of time. And the other person like just doesn't respond. And then we always just assume that they're not on board with whatever we said. So for me, it's like I wait patiently for a week to get a, hey, that was really funny. To some screenshot I sent him or whatever. For him, he's like, he sends me a, a link to the Duchovny book. And I saw it, but I saw it like 5.30 in the morning or something ridiculous like that. And I was like, oh, okay, Duchovny, that sounds cool. And then like the next day, I, get, I guess you're not on board with the Duchovny book or something. I'm like, no, no, that's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. So um, yeah. that's how we wound up uh, um, deciding to review Miss Subways, which is a very weird title. It is. Yeah, it's a weird title. Um, and it's one of those we're going to have to talk about. Does the title have anything to do with the book? But I want to say like that whole messaging back and forth and like not getting an answer like that, like anticipation slash disappointment thing that we like cycle that we put each other through um, that I felt that as as recently as like, I think yesterday I made a joke that was like related to Livius's work. Yeah. Which is really funny, by the way. <laughs> and then I followed it up like a few minutes later with zing, like as to, to emphasize. So this was um, uh, Tuesday. I made the joke. <clears throat> We're recording on Thursday. So Tuesday, I made the joke in the morning. The next message is the following morning. <laughs> Livia saying, what time are we thinking for recording? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, never, no, no acknowledgement. And I was like, "Well, that one fell on its face." But no, I was, it was, I was really, as a matter of fact, I shared it with one coworker, um, <laughs> the, the other subject of that message, and we both thought that was very clever. Rob's a very clever guy, <sighs> from time to time. But then you threw down a dad joke, and I, I acknowledged it. You did, you yeah. did by saying it was a dad ultra joke. dad joke, I turbo believe, yeah. dad joke. Remember, turbo, I, I yep, yeah, turbo, turbo. That's what it was. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right, maybe uh, maybe we should talk about somebody that writes stuff that people do read. Yeah. Here is the bio for uh, David Duchovny. 
David William Duchovny is an American actor, writer, producer, director, and singer songwriter. All right, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> Rob is going to draw some comparisons <laughs> between this book and the book that we reviewed by Rick Springfield. And my defense, my defense <laughs> for that of this one. <laughs> was going to be, well, at least he is also a singer-songwriter. And apparently so is Duchovny. <laughs> so my, my defense, I didn't know this, my defense is, is shot. Mm. <sighs> he is known for playing FBI agent Fox Mulder on the sci-fi horror action drama show The X-Files. And writer Hank Moody on the comedy drama series Californication, both of which have earned him Golden, Golden Globe Awards. Duchovny appeared in both of the X-Files films, the science fiction thriller of the same name and the supernatural thriller, The X-Files, I Want to Believe. That's worded a little weird. I guess I see what they're saying there. As of May 2015, he has been executive producing and starring in the historically based cop drama Aquarius. Duchovny has a BA in English literature from Princeton University and an MA in English literature from Yale University. Holy shit, really? Yeah, this dude's legit. Wow. Um. Hey, he's got an album. He's got two albums. Um, on Apple Music, that's where I I get my music. Um, one released in 2015 called Hell or High Water, and one released this year called Every Third Thought. I don't know. You want to? You want to need a little sample? Yeah. Let's uh, let's right. do it. See how this goes. I might have the volume all the way down. Can you hear it? Yes. He's gonna hit us with like a licensing suit or something. Maybe. I just want some voice. So far, it sounds like something I might actually listen to. While we're waiting for the lyrics to kick in, <laughs> um, but I so far I'm happy with it. But yeah, there's just never going to be any lyrics. Yeah. Huh. Well, the company might. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe he's in the running to be my favorite. Actor, writer, producer, director, and singer-songwriter. <laughs> He's so. like the Bo Jackson of entertainment. Oh, God. Here we go. Yeah, Let's I'm, save that for another episode. All right. All right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm see how I tried to wedge that in. There was something that I pitched to Livius, not for this podcast, but like it's on my mind. And it has, anyway, we'll get into that later. So here's we're going to get back to the book for um, our multi-talented uh, author. I'm going to read the synopsis and then we'll actually talk about the story a little bit. So um, how are we going to land? On, I know why you chose to do the bio because pronouncing character names, right? You're trying to get oh, out of that. I, I'm pretty sure that's Emmer. Okay. Cause in my mind it was Emer. Oh, but Emmer. Yeah, whatever. We'll go with the Emmer. lady, the female um, protagonist. And I'm going to stumble. I'm putting everybody up front. I'm letting you know. I'm going to stumble on some names throughout this. So bear with me. But um, Emmer is just a woman living in New York City who takes the subway, buys ice cream from the bodega on the corner, has writerly aspirations, and lives with her boyfriend, Khan. <clears throat> but is this life she lives the only path she's on? Taking inspiration from the myth of Emmer and Kuchulain? Kuchulain? That's how I would go with it. Yeah. 
And featuring an all-star cast of mythical figures from all over the world, David Duchovny's darkly funny fantasy novel, Miss Subways, is one woman's trippy mystical journey down parallel tracks of time and love. On the way, Emmer will battle natural and supernatural forces to find her true voice, power, and destiny. A fairy tale of love lost and regained, Miss Subways is also a love letter to the city that enchants us all, New York. Yeah, I didn't know any of this going into the book. (laughs) And I read the whole book and didn't know that there is a myth of Emmer and Kukulane, Chuckalane, Cuckold Lane, whatever the hell that name is. Um, So I, I feel like I've maybe missed some stuff. Well, you know what? And I was thinking about that. There was there was a part of me. So um, uh, I think even in reading, I can't remember where I read it. Um, I think in in the acknowledgments at the back, or you know, like the author thanks people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he mentioned his like in brief, like his where he first heard of the um, you know the poem by Yeats and and like all that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of a nugget of where he. Um, came upon it, and then I was thinking to myself, how much research do we do as podcast to talk about how this, you know, existing literature, you know, influenced the book? And I landed on, I really didn't feel like it because we didn't have it going into the book, and it didn't, in my opinion, matter to the like how the story played out. So I wasn't too concerned about kind of you know putting it into context for for the listeners. Yeah, this is like a really, I'm going to go with, I I think, obscure kind of myth, right? Like, I'm not going to say I'm a student of mythology, but like, I recognize names. Yeah. And I've never heard, I thought the naming, um, the naming scheme in this book was a little weird, right? Because they they both have super weird names. Yeah. Um, But I didn't, I didn't land on that it was based on anything. So I'm with you. The level of research done, zero. Um, but we also didn't go to Princeton or Yale, so maybe that has something to do with our level of... Or any other writing universities. Yeah, no Ivy League. Nope. I didn't go to any college, so... Not at all? Yeah. Not even a little bit? I mean, like, little classes here and there, but gotcha. nothing ever stuck. Um, <laughs> I'm, right. so, I'm, I, I'm streets, man. I'm street knowledge. <laughs> oh, the rough streets of... <laughs> Like suburban Chicago yeah, land, yeah, the town you grew up in. Yeah. All right, so characters we've we've uh, covered a couple of them. We'll kind of go in a little greater detail. Emmer Gunnels is our definitely our protagonist in this, and uh, I mean, as we get into this story, you know her her role changes. So I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it, like it says in the in the synopsis, um, she uh, lives with her boyfriend Khan. She is, uh, you know, behind every great man is a is a great woman or whatever that saying is. She's definitely that person. So Khan has been um, writing a, a book on uh, on mythology essentially, and it's gaining some traction. Um, but uh, Emmer has put a ton of work into this and helping him put this book together and supporting him. And then that uh, that all changes pretty early on in the book. But I guess I'll let Rob talk a little bit about some of the other characters before we get to that change. Yeah, so there's honestly um, not a lot of characters in the book that um, that have a huge you know amount of of time. It's really a handful. So Khan being the boyfriend, Livia's mentioned. Um, there's a couple others that show up, and this is this is where it gets a little bit strange. 
Um, because there's a supernatural element to the book, some characters may resemble and or be other characters, and I don't think that's a spoiler. Um, but uh, the biggest players in the book are there's um, a woman who appears and uh, kind of throws a wrench in, in the re- relationship in the beginning of the book, and it's Anansi. Did I say that how you would have said it? Yes. Anansi, who, um, which is the name of... Uh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a pretty commonly known, like old God kind of name or something like that. I think it's an African God or something like that, like a spider. So, and where, where you would have, the pop culture people would have noticed that, um, is in the show American Gods. And I'm assuming also the book American Gods, the Neil Mm -hmm. Gaiman book. And, and, And the book of Nancy boys. There you go. And I'm changing the pronunciation. I did look it up while you were talking. Yeah. And the reason I did is because one of the best lines in this book was probably missed out on by a lot of people reading it. And I may cover that in spoiler talks. I'm not sure how spoilery that is. Gotcha. Um, so that character is is introduced very early in the book and from the get-go is causing some strife and some friction in, in the relationship between Emmer and Khan. Um, Izzy is Emmer's like kind of lesbian bestie who, um, you know, Emmer goes through throughout the book when she needs advice or is in trouble or is, you know, having a bad time or something like that. Um, and then really the only other, and Livy, she might mention others. Um, the only other character that plays super prominently, um, is, um, this guy, Sydney, who, like for the most part of the book is manifest as like um like the superintendent or principal or whatever superintendent mm-hmm. of a yeah. school that Emmer works at and um is just this kind of short um he's like a priest but he's like in cuz it's like a it's a religious kind of religious as much as you can be i guess in 2018 school um that's also very progressive and um so he's the guy that's like He's always trying to get everybody out of the weird hot water when the, the parents get up in arms about something. So he's kind of a goofy um, character and, and goofy and funny, I'd say. Um, really, there's not a lot of other really super main characters. There's a few that show up throughout that are funny. Like there's a Chinese food delivery guy and, you know, there's a couple others Han. like that. Yeah. Han, Han yeah. <laughs> and Miss May. Miss May, yeah. Who is an Asian um, lady who her job... I gotta, I gotta tell you. So there, there's some really great things in this book, and uh, I, I'm sure that this is also based on some mythology that I am not aware of. But her job is, what was she called? She's the mistress disappearer. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, it. I'm looking at it up right now. Yeah. So her job is, she is someone that is hired to help make your husband's mistress go away. Yeah, that, but not that's what like... she does for a living. Not, yeah, not, not like an evil way. <laughs> Just in a like, mis- uh, mistress dispeller, mistress dispeller. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So this character, um, her job is basically to negotiate your uh, your your old man's girlfriend away from from him, which is just fucking great, man. Right. Like she she comes along with a better offer, more or less. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, not a huge, not a huge cast of characters. There's um. Emmer's father does make an appearance here or there and um, in significant ways, but not much in the book. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that's really it as far as, like, characters go. But there's some really cool plot stuff, like, especially in the beginning. Like, the setup, I think, is, is pretty great. Here is that plot. Um, the book kicks off uh, pretty soon into the book. Emmer is at a um, reading that Khan is doing for his new book. And there are a bunch of people there, and he's being wooed by quote air quotes that you can't see Hollywood types um, who want to take him out to dinner. Um, Emmer decides she's not going to get in the way. She's not going to go with, she's going to be the dutiful girlfriend, go home and let him do his thing. And uh, a man appears to her who um, in a doorman's outfit in the middle of the night and essentially kind of bullies his way into her apartment and um, offers her a choice. So this isn't spoiler because it's probably 10% of the way into the book, but this really sets up the rest of the story. Uh, the woman, the woman that goes, so there's a woman and two men that, that take Khan away to dinner. And the woman is a, is a black woman who is a little touchy feely, very pretty, you know, whatever. So, you know, Emmer's a little concerned about it, but she says, you know, I'm just whatever. It's no big deal. Everything will be fine. But he shows her a video of the two of them being really, really cozy, walking down the street and then tells her that she has a choice. If she um, chooses to stay in her current relationship with Khan, Khan will be hit by a car and killed. And he demonstrates this by showing her the rest of the video. She can stop this by swearing off her relationship with Khan and then she will have no memory of their relationship and they will both, you know, go go on to live separate lives but with no memory of the fact that they were together. So that's really fucking weird. <laughs> and when you don't know that this has a mythological swing and there's supernatural forces coming up, it really blindsides you when it happens in the book. <laughs> um, now, did you read the synopsis beforehand? Um... No, right. you know what? I feel like I read something because I knew that there was going to be some level of supernatural thing going on, but I don't. Yeah. So maybe I did read the synopsis. Imagine my surprise when I'm I'm reading because we didn't talk about this in the synopsis. Says it's a love letter to the city of New York, which yeah. I thought from like page three, I was like, this is going to be a very New York heavy um, book, which is not the first time it's been done. It's been at this point, quite honestly, probably a little overdone in how many books treat oh. New York as a character. My God, if you choose to write about New York, you have to write about it like it's the only fucking city in the universe. Right. Yeah. So so I'm like, all right, you know, the, the writing's fair. You know, this is me chapter two or three, right? <laughs> the writing's OK. All right. This woman rides a subway a lot. I get the feeling we spent a lot of time on the subway. Holy shit. An imp just fucking showed up and gave her a choice between <laughs> living and dying. Like it, was, it caught me really off guard. So, of course, Emmer does um, the thing that we would all hope the women in our lives do and chooses a. Uh, to forget about the relationship and, and to let, let you continue living your life. Um, yeah. So that, um, <clears throat> so yeah. And, and that's, that's the interesting part because like the first, I mean, this is all the first 20% of the book. I looked it up just to like, just to see, cause I knew it was very short, but like the first 20% of the book is basically what Livia just told you. And probably 17% of it leading up is all everyday stuff, you know? Um, and then that 3% is a freaking imp shows up and has a like mystical phone that can show you the future and, you know, um, alter, alter history or alter what could happen. Um, so, so we have this little just bump of, you know, like a chapter of this craziness 
and then the next part of the book starts in which um emmer is is going through life um a, a life where she hadn't had Khan as a boyfriend so she's single that's a big part of her life is just like not being in a relationship and and so we're seeing her life entirely different as if Khan was never in it um but she doesn't know it um and so the story then basically inches toward the inevitable confrontation of they both still live in New York and you know they both probably have similar lives to what they had before this this big change so it's inevitable that you know any story would try and push them back into each other and see what happens and so that's kind of the direction that the story takes us that's it for plot guys thanks for listening um yeah um and obviously there's like were you joking (laughs) no i don't know how much more we can say about the actual plot yeah um and and anybody listening would probably kind of come to the conclusion that like the direction of the story and like the, the meaning of the narrative is basically like, will they get back together? And if so, what happens because of that? Um, but it's just neat to, to have a snapshot of someone's life where she was, she described it as, as like happy. She was happy with her boyfriend. Um, and everything was satisfying, satisfactory, but like there was just a little glimpse of like, they weren't really trying super hard. They had just kind of, it seemed like they had just kind of gotten into like a rhythm and they were just kind of content with that instead of, you know, challenging each other or, you know, going for their dreams and stuff like that. So to, to take that first part, have the whole world changed and then see how different her life is without that relationship dynamic was pretty cool. Um, and then obviously way more supernatural stuff. Yeah, which will be discussed over in spoiler talk, I think, because there are some things that are that definitely merit conversation. Yeah. Um, but in an effort to not spoil it, for those of you who might read this book, we're going to do it on a separate channel. And for those of you who don't contribute to the podcast. So <laughs> let's be honest. That's really that's. Yeah, we could always post a separate episode. That's just the spoilers if we wanted to. That'd be weird. I do. So there's one. There's one thing I'd like to talk about. I don't know if there's much conversation here, but so the second chapter in the book. So the first chapter introduces us to Emmer. And then the the second chapter is basically Khan um, doing, like, reading from or discussing his kind of big life's work. Um, so we're basically getting, you know, we're getting to read slash imagine we're hearing what Khan's big life's work is. And, and the thing that I noticed about it was the way that the prose is written for Emmer's introduction in the first chapter versus the way that Khan's writing goes, Khan was very kind of over the top and bombastic and lots of like super descriptive words and like uh, very hyperbolic. There was just like, you know, it was purple and go back to the whole like conversation about purple Mm -hmm. prose. Like, yep. It was way over the top and in a way where it was like, I I, I was reading it and I'm like, I know this isn't David Duchovny's writing. He's writing like he's writing like someone, but man, it was just a little bit too much. And I was like, is he trying to tell us that Khan's not the best writer? That's interesting. I mean, I noticed obviously that there was a specific voice change um, for us to, you know, so we get out of Emmer's head. 
because yeah. the rest of this book is told 100% from Emmer's point of view. So it's like yeah. an omnipotent narrator, but focused on one character. Um, I don't know. I, I got, the, yeah, I don't know if it wasn't a good writer. I got the feeling he wasn't a likable guy Yeah, from that. Yeah. And, and I mean, and there obviously there's the whole thing with the kind of whatever discussion they have about their restaurant they're going to. And, you know, I, I got the feeling that Emmer, and, and this is weird too, because obviously things change because of the whole, they were never together. You know, you were saying like she was content and they weren't trying too hard. I almost got the feeling that like, that Emmer loved Khan more than Khan loved Emmer. Yeah. Like he was so, so wrapped up in his identity as mm-hmm. his work. Yeah. Uh, which wasn't really going super well. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So from that point, I can tell you exactly how I felt. I didn't, I, I, I mean, yes, I kind of knew that there's going to be, like you said, the kind of confrontation or whatever that, you know, comes up with uh, the two of them, you know, maybe getting back together. But I, I really thought that we would see her life, how do I say this? That there would be another central romantic interest that maybe was better oh, than Khan. Like the the counter Khan. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and some of that's from watching movies, right? So even like, like uh, you know, teen whatever, whatever, high school love movie, you know what I mean? Or comedies or whatever. Yeah. They're, they're always like that. She's with this guy, but he's not really good. So this other guy comes along and the, the story is how she doesn't see how he's the best thing for her. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of situation. So that's kind of where I saw it going. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about where it goes, but uh, it definitely goes places. Right. Um, so I, one so one thing that that struck me about a I'm going to say right out. David Duchovny is a much better writer than I expected him to be. <laughs> Holy shit, right? Because, <laughs> like, you just imagine, like, Mulder sitting down at a table trying to write a book. And I know that's stupid and reductive of, like, David Duchovny's life. But, like, what does he think about me? I'm going to turn it around on David Duchovny. He thinks I'm a podcaster and nothing else. Well, let he me tell you, David Duchovny. You at all, buddy. Damn it. He well, that's what he would think. <laughs> but, you know, but. it's funny because I also thought about Hank Moody, who As, was a writer. Who was a writer, yeah. And how much of this book did you read in David Duchovny's voice? None of it, actually. That's how See, good of a writer start, he is. At the start, I was hearing his voice. So in the con stuff, I was hearing his voice because, like, that's the kind of stuff you would hear, like, in, in like, kind of those overdrawn-out monologues that he would do in, in Californication or, like, sometimes there was, like, like, voiceover kind of stuff, right? Was there voiceover kind of stuff like that? There was. I mean, there wasn't a couple episodes of the X-Files, which was just goddamn terrible. Don't even start me on the X-Files. All right. But, um, We're going to have to talk about this X-Files versus Californication <laughs> oh, thing God. at some point. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's so he's a much better writer than I thought he was going to be. And uh, the the tone of the book is is pretty laid back. Um, like it's it's very casual writing as far as like character interactions and stuff go. Um, not pretentious or anything like that, but it's got that, like, it's got that supernatural element just kind of slipped in there in, in, in ways that are reminiscent of like the things we've talked about recently would be Christopher Moore or Tom Robbins, like just a little something weird in there. Um, Jonathan Carroll for me, but yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I haven't read, so I have to go with what I know. Um, so it, it fits well and not necessarily like, I wouldn't say this is satire, but it's got kind of like a, a wit to it that would, you know what I'm saying? Kind of fit with satire. Maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, this was... Look, obviously we'll get into our wrap-ups and stuff, but the one thing I can say is um, he wrote in a way that was very approachable. Super from, easy. Yeah, I, but that's... I don't want to say easy. Easy, I think, is the, the reductive part of that. Like, it was just really comfortable reading yeah. it. It felt like having a conversation with someone who can tell a story and is kind of clever at points. Yeah. Um, you know, versus just, you know, I, I don't want people to confuse easy for simple, I guess, because I don't think that it's written super oh, simply. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just super easy to slide right into into um, Ember's head in this case, you know, and just and just follow her story. And sometimes you find yourself kind of smiling, if not chuckling yep. at an observation that's made or a conversation that's had. There's a conversation that happens between uh, a couple of times between Emmer and another character that's like that. It's supposed to be that, like, I just kind of met you flirty kind of talk. Right. And it's all super cute and could be immediately put into any chick flick or whatever. And even as a guy watching it, you'd be like, oh, this is kind of clever. I like the I like the dialogue between these two characters. So I guess, you know, it was written even the dialogue between her and Izzy was pretty good. Um, so he, he writes in a very approachable way, I guess is how I would best say it. Yeah. And, and we've mentioned the supernatural thing a couple times and, and, and it probably is best not to go into the details of it, but some people might hear that and, and kind of balk at whether they want to read it or not. And I would say, absolutely. This is something that would not get in the way. It wouldn't be like, oh, this is too Game of Thronesy for me or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination it's it's not it's just there and it doesn't you know it doesn't take away from or or change the story into something besides just like kind of your average you know book about a person um we we talked a little bit about new york but i want to talk about something else that's interesting and i don't know that i have ever um seen this in a book this must be the most timely book I've ever read. <laughs> well, but when I say that, I mean, when you think about the references that are made, this book was obviously not written four years ago. Right. And if it was, it was adapted very recently to be very, if not 2018, very 2017. So a lot of books you read maybe don't make any reference to the time frame, even if they're current. They don't talk about current events. And if they do, they're current events from two or three years ago when the book was written. Mm-hmm. This felt like David Duchovny finished it like two months ago and it went to the printer. I agree. <laughs> and there are references. I mean, there's there's like there's references to Prince's death, which is 14 months ago. Mm-hmm. And there's reference. I think there's a reference to the Me Too movement, right? Which is yep. probably about that same, you know, year, year and a half ago. So it was interesting for me to read something that took place today that felt i mean like i like i was really grounded in today versus reading just a generic where you know they're talking about oh i've got a smartphone and there's you know this the you know the smart lights or something so you go okay well this kind of takes place today because the setting of the objects tells you it's today where this was definite events that you've heard about ad nauseum in some cases you know in the news popping Mm -hmm. up as little tidbits in the book yeah, that might lend a little bit to the approachability of it because it's like relevant to what's going on now too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're kind of winding down. I think we're kind of like straggling. Uh, do you want to jump over to spoiler talk? I would love to jump over to spoiler talk. Now, you may be a new listener. You may be saying to yourself, "What is spoiler talk?" 
spoiler talk is something that we've been doing with uh, with great. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like we're doing. No, no, no. We're not enthusiastic about it. Pace. <laughs> We were doing it very frequently with great frequency. There you go. Frequency. That's what um, I meant to say. When we first started this, it was like every third or fourth book. And now it's a, it's pretty much every book we read. Um, spoiler talk is usually a five to you know 15 minute mini episode that takes place over at our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash booked. Any donation amount of $1 or more per month um, entitles you not only to hear this episode like 24 hours before anybody else, but uh, spoiler talk, which is where we give... I don't want to say like we hold back thoughts on the book, but I want to talk about the end of this book and talking about the end of this book would be disastrous for anybody who's thinking about reading it because you would know what the outcome is. But I feel it's discussion worthy and Rob hopefully feels the same way. And sometimes um, one of us or both of us learn something from the conversation. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you already know, hop over and listen to it if you want or wait till the end of the episode or wait until you've read the book if you, we've convinced you that this book is worth reading. If you're not a Patreon uh, subscriber, what the hell? It's a buck a month. I mean, you can donate more, but really a buck a month is all you need in order to get these extra episodes. I was just furiously doing the math on that. That's $12 a year. Yeah, I heard you. I heard like it sounded like you were doing it with pencil and paper. I could hear the little like scratchy yeah. sounds. Carry the one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right, so. I was I licked the tip of the pencil before I started writing. Isn't that something that people do? I don't know. Those people uh, get lint twisting <laughs> and not. Um, Fuck guy sucking on a pencil. <laughs> Local man found with pencil and mouth. <laughs> well, now we know the cause. It wasn't foul play. Um, so we're going to jump over and do spoiler talk. Join us again in mere milliseconds for our wrap-ups. All right, we are back after, like, instantaneously. It's like in, um, like, time travel. Like, we're like, oh, we, we just spent three years in the past. But really, I was going to say Back to the Future, but I know you haven't seen it. Yeah, no idea. Um. So, yeah, you wouldn't know why that's the Lone Pine Mall instead of the Twin Pines Mall. Anyway, um, we just talked in Spoiler Talk a lot about spoilers um, for for this book. And I want to say something that didn't come up in our normal conversation that did get covered over in Spoiler Talk is the meaning of the title, Miss Subways. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, maybe we didn't talk about for a reason. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's just it's an expanded conversation. There's like there's some cool stuff. Um, over there so if you're not subscribing on patreon you probably should just throw us a buck every month right um i think we're ready to do our wrap-up why don't you go ahead and go first on this one i was so all right so i i when i I can't remember how i found out about this book but the first thing i did was message livius and then i messaged um friends of the podcast jesse and misty um, and, and it was obvious because they either they didn't care or they they were busy because they didn't respond right away. But I was like, why didn't anybody tell me Dave, David Duchovny has a new book out? And then like five minutes later, after no response, I was like, did somebody tell me that David Duchovny has a new book out? And then I think I sent like a third like, maybe they did, like maybe you did. I don't know. But anyway, so like I was so excited. I was texting people about this. Because I'm a big fan of X-Files, and um, while I didn't finish watching the series Californication, um, I really dug the Hank Moody character on there. Uh, and I even watched that Aquarius show. I don't know if you... We, we may have talked about this on the podcast already, but... Uh, he did, I did not. I did not see Aquarius. It was... So, it was okay, and um, he brought way more to that show than that show probably deserved. Um, if you want me to be totally honest, but anyway, always been a Duchovny fan, always been thumbs up to that dude. Um, I advocated 
to talk about, you know, to review a book about, you know, cows going out and exploring the world and was very quickly shot down. So sorry, David. But I won this time. And I think we won this time because this book was fucking great. And and, and it was it's just like an unexpected gem because when someone crosses over from one medium that they've been dominating for literally decades into another, you don't know what to expect. And, you know, a lot of celebrities get book deals because they're celebrities. Like, oh, who is it? I went to the bookstore one day and there was like three different celebrity books just like stacked up next to each other. And I was like, what the hell? Do we give authors book deals anymore? So I wasn't super um, confident that this would turn out well. Within the first 20% of the book, I was like, this is going to be a damn good book. So um, it was uh, a fun read. And it, like Olivia said, it was approachable. It wasn't simple. It wasn't basic. It was just like it was easy to get through. And it was a good story. And I, I mean, I don't really have criticisms about any of it. There was some really cool stuff that I, that we didn't bring up in our review. There was this whole thing where she saves a bird and then like they have a she has like a like a almost a parental relationship with this bird. And I thought that was very charming. There's so many elements of this book that are just charming and fun and endearing. And I think that's the good quality of this is like, you you don't have to write a dark and, and dreary book for it to be good and have literary weight. Um, it did explore, you know, very serious things and very emotional things and, and stuff. Um, so there was like sadness, but overall it was kind of a, Kind of a peppy. What was it? Um, <laughs> the Christopher Moore called his noir book. Um, oh, that type of perky noir. Perky noir. This is it, it. This was a little bit perky as well, I would say. So anyway, I really enjoyed it, and um, I know it's not super possible because we have books lined up that we're going to be reviewing. But I'd love to go back and read his other stuff, um, and I would definitely recommend this to people. So I'm going to go four and a half stars. I um, took Rob's recommendation with a grain of salt. You guys have to understand, Rob um, may come across books before me. So it'll be like, oh, Paul Tremblay's got his book has a release date and stuff. And that's something we were already going to read. So Rob, about twice a year, (laughs) recommends a book that's not like on the, you know, what I'll call the pre-approved, you know, um, author reading list. You know, Stephen Graham Jones comes out with something. It's pretty much a given that we're going to do it. Christopher Moore. You know, there are some authors that we just love who we've come across on this podcast or, or wherever that we just know we're going we're going to do. So I was like, ah, whatever. It's not too long. David Duchovny writing a book about a lady who takes the subway. We'll see what uh, what it is. David Duchovny is an excellent fucking writer. Um, and and I say that because although I had. You know, it's a little bit of issue with the story. Part of that was my fault for not knowing what I was getting into. This happens frequently. But this guy can write characters and dialogue and down-to-earth shit in a way that's super engaging. And I really, really like that. Um, uh, over in Spoiler Talk, we talked about one you know, problem that I had with the book uh, towards the end. It, it wasn't a deal-breaker, but it, it was uh, it didn't fit for me at all. Um, but I don't think it, it really greatly lessened the book at all. I, I will say this. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'll probably never get around to reading the old Duchovny's, but I think Duchovny goes on the pre-approved reading list for whatever his next release is. So uh, I think Rob's right in line here. I think if it wasn't for that goddamn ending, man, I probably would have given it five stars. But I, I'm, I'm going to go with you on this. Four and a half stars. Super fucking enjoyable book. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
Also, I would like to say that I went back to look at reviews, and there are very few reviews. So in the event, David, that you're listening, um, shoot us a tweet or an email or bookpodcast at gmail.com. We'll probably read one if it says it's from David Duchovny. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to have you on and talk about it. Just throwing it out there. So I had the same thought. I was like, hey, Duchovny is kind of a, I guess, not breakthrough author because he's had a couple of books before. But like, he's probably not the best known for um, being a being an author. And I just looked at um, his Twitter the other night. And it's just like, I'm at this store. I'm at this store. Blah, blah, blah. I'm being interviewed on NPR for my book. Like, he's... He's all over the goddamn place about this. Yesterday, book. it had twelve reviews on Amazon. Yeah, that's that's terrible. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I feel bad for him because this book deserves to be read. So, um, but at any rate, David, if you're listening, really nice job. And uh, I, you would think, as the author of Fucking and Punching, that you would get more, more reviews, <laughs> more reviews. So we have to do this. Do we have to talk about? You know, we don't have to. X-Files versus Californication. Let's just, let's just go throw it out. David Duchovny's best role? Mulder. Yeah, see? I'm going Hank Moody. Well, now he's got to vote in each side. So. That that show, I know you said you didn't finish it, and it was hard to finish. It was super hard to finish, because that show went to shit. I tapped out. I'll yeah. tell you exactly when I tapped out, mm-hmm. when Rick Springfield showed up. Oh, get the fuck out of here. That was that was brilliant. <laughs> Rick Springfield on that show, and I'm not saying... <laughs> Look, I forgot Rick Springfield was on the show till you just said it. So it's not, it doesn't even like calculate into what I thought was great. Those storylines got so outrageous, and I'll be frank, so dumb. But the consistency in Hank Moody in that show and yeah. Karen and their relationship stayed solid gold all the way to the end. So it's like as the show disintegrated around them and around their relationship, those two characters and their their story was still written. Um, in a way that that kept me watching. We can't, I mean, yeah, roll my eyes for whatever that show was, about, like 40, 45 minutes an episode, 50 minutes an episode. Yeah. I might roll my eyes for half hour of that episode, but Hank and Karen were still brilliant. So that's that's what stuck. That's how I stuck it out. Yeah, and uh, that's it. Well, maybe I'll go back to it one day. I've got that HBO subscription going right now because Westworld is on. So I hey, could, uh... before we move on, you wanted to talk about a line in the book. Oh, yeah. This is just... Livius has pounded into my mind um, how much he hates dreams uh, or dream sequences. Um, Really just, like, the existence of dreams outside of, like, I'm assuming when you're asleep and having your own dreams, right? Yep. And um, Yeah, I have nothing against (laughs) dreams. You just don't want to hear people's dreams. So... I I don't even know if it's that. It's the... It's the... I just watched. So one of my favorite shows is the Royals um, on E mm-hmm. E exclamation point channel. Um, and in their season slash probably series finale, you know, they, they, you know, they do this thing where they do this thing and you go, Holy shit, this thing's going down. And then someone wakes up from a dream and I'm like, all right, yeah. that was just fucking lazy. And in writing, typically for me, it's a very lazy way to talk about how somebody's feeling. So that's my issue with it. Mm. And, you know, I don't mind. You want something about dreaming head? Like, that's cool. If it's interesting enough, I'll care. And if it's boring, I won't. I, I just don't like it in fiction, TV, movies, or um, written word. 
Well, here's the quote, and then it just reminded me of something that I watched recently, so we'll talk about that. But the quote is, I'm sorry, but there's nothing more deathly boring than having to listen to someone else's dream, um, which immediately made me think of you. And it's the only thing I highlighted the entire book. But um, it's also that is a sentiment that um, very strongly is shared by David James Keaton, who is a longtime friend of the podcast. Um, he's been on for we've reviewed like I, I, everything that he's put out, except for short story collections that contain, you know, stories that we talked about in the past. So um, I know that on, on occasions I've heard him rant and rail against the idea of dreams in in fiction. So. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. But did you have you heard of a movie called Revenge? No. All right. It is I think it's a French movie. Um but I'm it, sold already. The yeah. French know how to make movies. And it's a horror movie. And um so the idea is um this woman is like this rich dude's mistress. And um he has this kind of like, it seems like an annual kind of hunting expedition that him and some buddies go out on. And so he gets to the place that they, you know, go to hunt. It's like this really nice, like almost like resort kind of massive mansion house in the desert somewhere. And, um, but he gets out there a couple of days early. So his, his mistress can go too, and like, they'll spend a couple of days together and then she leaves and then his buddies show up and they go hunting. Um, but the buddies show up a day early and um, things go down and, and it turns out that like because she's now a liability in their lives, like they need to get rid of her. And so like they decide they got to kill her. And anyway, um, it's really it's it's hard to I mean, it's hard to explain because it's not like super actiony and it's not super thrillery. But um, it's still a great story. Um, and it's just these three guys chasing and, and hunting this girl who, you know, uh, wants revenge because they, you know, tried to kill her. But um, there's this one part where she's, like, hiding in this cave. And she wakes up from a Like, she, it's it, you think she wakes up and then something happens and she wakes up from a dream. But they do that, like, four more times. Where, like, different things happen, but she wakes up from the dream. Like, it happens, like, four times in a row, like, in that one scene. And it's like, oh, God, just fucking end this. Ugh. See, that's... I was looking at this, I was like, maybe, maybe I'll watch this. Maybe, and I was like, you said that. And I was like, that's just terrible. I, why do that? You still must watch it. It's actually really good. I do like French films, man. They do talk a little French and mostly English. But, like, yeah, if you want to see a... If you want to see the Hell Hath No Fury... Like a woman scorned, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. See what happens it, when you it, push a, when you push a woman off a cliff and she survives. It sounds a little bit like uh, um, I spit on your grave. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I've always been like, hmm, I wonder if this is good. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that was remade. Yeah, there's a um, recent yeah. release of yeah. I did not see that. I saw the original. I would have to guess from the seventies, maybe early eighties. Um, and it was pretty hardcore for when I saw it. I was probably like 14 or 15. And that is a brutally violent, sex-violent yeah. um, film. At least that's how it sticks in my head. I don't know. I'm pretty numb at this point to that kind of stuff. So now I might eat it with a bowl of pop or watch it with a bowl of popcorn and you know <laughs> chuckle at things. But um, is what it sounded like a little bit. For it's funny because you said 
it's not really that actiony. It's not really that thrillery. And I'm looking, and it says Revenge 2017 thriller slash action. As you're saying, how oh, it's not really <laughs> very much of either of those things. So interesting. Well, at least if I do watch it, I'll be prepared for the stupid dream sequences. So yeah, that, yeah. Hopefully, we take I took the wind out of that a little bit um, because it shouldn't get in the way of enjoying that movie. Rob, um, I, baby update. Do we have a baby update this week? Um, I, I don't hear the baby much. So much or at all? Uh, haven't heard the baby in the last few days. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll so. Uh, we'll table that. Pizza Girl update. I know we kept oh. everyone hanging on, right? Like we should have teased it at the beginning and been like, next we're going to talk about, you know, they do. And then they talk about 18 other things. Pizza Girl update. Can we have a Pizza Girl update, please? Um, I I haven't gone back. I, I, <laughs> I have to keep you hanging on the Pizza Girl because I have not gone back uh, since. There are audible grunts. Like this, like I time travel to the future, like two days from now and people are listening to this and I can hear listeners groaning. Like, why didn't you... Oh my God! You gotta strike when the iron is hot. I don't even know if that's the saying. That iron was pretty hot. Yeah, I I just um, and here's the problem because it's the pizza girl. She's at the place where I go when I want pizza, and I just haven't felt like having pizza all week. Sorry, sorry, buddy. I know you're disappointed. I don't even. I don't even have words. (laughs) There are no words. Yeah. Yeah, you're going back. It wasn't going to be for a slice of pizza. I see what you're saying. Um, I last Friday I had pizza fucking three times in one day from three different places. You can't hate pizza enough to to have like not been like I could probably eat one slice of pizza if I can score with the chick from the pizza place. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I I'll go. I'll go. You've let us next week. Let I'll go next week. All of us. Me and the listeners down. Um, I do have something new that I haven't I haven't brought to your attention yet. That is definitely, and it's not going to be entertaining or funny. This is actually a little bit. It's actually a little bit upsetting. Oh, um, okay. Let's get all somber. Yeah, I'm it's like legit upsetting, and and I think that we need to talk this through. Um, I was I was I don't know why, but I was scrolling through, and this is something I never do, but I was looking at our feed on iTunes. And um, I don't know how much you're aware of this, but like people have the ability to rate and review our podcast on um, on, on iTunes. And so I happen Hold, to please. Oh, God. <laughs> See, here comes Olivia's like ultimate. So we have a very good um, out of 31 ratings. Twenty eight are five stars. OK, that's one, fair. One is two stars and two are one star. But there's one rating that actually really concerns me, and it's from September 20th of 2017. Um, a user, all I see is the username. Anyway, it says, The way they talk about women can be a little gross for a female listener. I really like the kind of books they talk about, but I have to unsubscribe. Sorry. And I saw um, that. I mean, I was okay. really disturbed by that. I was upset by that because um, I, I feel like you and I are pretty much on the side of women in general, but I have to acknowledge that, you know, we probably say some off-the-cuff crazy shit from time to time. Um, you, you mean I say some off-the-cuff crazy shit from time I to was, time? I was willing to, to take That's all right. That's part okay. of that blame. Um, but, like, 
and it got me thinking, and, and this is my thought on that, um, and maybe we need to be a little more clear, especially considering we have new Patreon, uh, sorry, new Podbean listeners and stuff like that, possibly. Um, there's definitely times, and it's hard to it's it's hard to defend this because there's no way for a listener to know, but there's definitely times where you and I are kind of playing a part as opposed to actually like being who we are. And I think sometimes we might step a little bit further either to or across that line for the sake of humor or for, for the sake of like, you know, not being boring and having the same opinion about things, like maybe playing a little devil's advocate in a way that might be offensive that we don't think about. Um, I agree with, with everything you said. Um, and I'm, I know this is going to sound really, really like, I don't care. I, like, I, I don't, you know what, that, that's the whole thing. So I think anybody that listens to, to us, I would hope, has an understanding that we may say things that are off color occasionally. And that, you know, I, we don't mean that um, to be offensive or, or whatever. God, you should hear us talk when we're not on the podcast and the things we say. <laughs> we say some terrible things about people. That being said, we don't mean them in a way that's. Um, malicious, and 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 I, I will say this. And if she thinks things I say about women were gross before, I'm 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 going to go a little farther. In the event that you're not aware, uh, men tend to do things like call each other names and not mean anything by it. Um, and, and I think that a lot of that extends to uh, things we say in general. You know, I, I'm I'm rewinding back to the pizza girl conversation from six and a half minutes ago. And uh, I, I was going to say things that were much fouler than what I actually said. <laughs> and you know what? Now I kind of regret not doing it. So this uh, is spurring you to be worse. No, no. I, I just think that, look, we appreciate everybody that listens. Um, if we're not your thing, we're not your thing. I mean, and that's cool. Like, there are a million other podcasts, and there are podcasts that are much... Listen, I listen to a podcast that sometimes I think is better than our podcast. So there you have it. Um we don't mean to offend anybody, uh, typically speaking, and uh, I, I hope that the rest of the people who are listening don't take it that way. Yeah, but it's bound to, and, and I think this, what you're saying makes me think about kind of one of our principles in general is like when we're reviewing a book, we're going to say what we really feel about it um, because there's an integrity to that, um, you know, not saying what we think people want to hear. Um so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that with anything that, you know, is true to itself, there's going to be some people that just inherently disagree with it, um, which is unfortunate. Like, it's not it's absolutely not like we set out to, like, you know, today we're going to offend women when we say this thing. Um, we just have that conversation and, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but like we we've never for me, it's like this is like the first real like negative thing that I've read about us mm -hmm. in seven years. So it's just like, Oh, where'd that come from? And like, you know, I'm sure that over the time people have silently fallen out of love with the podcast. It has to have happened. But like, sure. this is the first time we have like written confirmation that someone decided, Oh, this is not for me. <laughs> it's weird. Cause I've been, I've really been trying to think of what we could have said that would lead someone to say the way we talk about women is gross. I mean, like, I mean, let's, I, it probably, like, the worst thing we could do is, 
you know, just trying doing like an exhibition of what could we have said. Um, I want to go through 400 episodes and I want to pull. Livius is going to come back with a report. All right. So in episode 33 at the 12 minute mark, I said women are stupid. Like, um, yeah, I mean, okay. So over on Patreon, I did say that (laughs) Miss Subway's 1944 was a smoking hottie because there's a picture of her. You know what? She's kind of a smoking hottie. Yeah. And if that's, I don't, I mean, if someone takes that as gross, like I'm, I'm okay with them not choosing not to listen. If that's what offends somebody. To be honest, more specific feedback would have been more helpful. Like give us, give us the actual thing that we said, because then, you know, we can see, you know, in that situation, we would know, is this something that we said innocently? That's an easy thing for us to just say differently. Or is it something where it's just a difference of opinion? There's no way we can know. True, man, that was a little somber. All right. Well, that being said, I do want to acknowledge, are we done? Are we, have we moved on from this topic? Yeah. I just want to, acknowledge, that's the first, it was a first I, for I, me. Listen, I, I'm going to feel this one for a little while. It's going to resonate with me for a little while. And again, I don't know <laughs> that I'm going to change who I am because of it. Right. Hey, I, if, I mean, I do know I'm not going to, I mean, that's just like, if, so. if anybody's listening who may have some sort of insight, send it to me. <laughs> So that we can, <laughs> so we so can that I don't have any way to rebut. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking so that we can protect your delicate feelings. Um, True. Because Livius, <laughs> Livius cares about that kind of stuff. Um, I would like to hear, but like, if you're listening and you're like, wow, that sounds so out of character. If you're listening and you're like, well, obviously what, what is it? What is it that makes that person's statement true or or obviously false? What was that you said? It was from like a year ago. It was from September of 2017, so it's like six, seven months ago. I got you. I may even look at some of those episodes and oh, see what. That's when we're. It's around the time that I was talking about those dating apps and stuff. Oh well, now we now we. It's know. my fault. Now no, we know. No, that's you were talking is. about how weird it is that women have like their friends text them and make sure they're okay yeah. or something. Like yeah, there you go. So you're the offender. Oh great. Um, that being said, I would like to say, so we have a new listener. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. Steve, if you're listening, thanks for listening. That's all I wanted to throw out there. Hey, Steve. Um, next <laughs> week, here we go. Oh, I got to let you set this up. I'm hoping this person decided to tune in this week. Can you go ahead and tell um, listeners what the next book is, please? Um, oh, off the top of my head, it's the Marisha, Marisha Peschel, Peschel book, right? Peschel. Yeah. So she wrote Night Film that we reviewed, and from what I remember, enjoyed. It was a really weird book. Yeah. So um, on this is one of those odd occasions where the publisher sent us a book that we're interested in. And this is, I mean, we're talking, it's like a, like a 3% chance that what they send us is something <laughs> we're, we're looking to review. Yeah. And it's been sitting on my dining room table for, I don't know, two weeks or whatever since it showed up. And the way it's sitting, um, for people who have never received a review copy of the book, they usually give you some kind of like insert that tells you about the book. And in this one, on mine, it was folded in such a way. So if you have the book and you're holding it the way you would read the book, this is at a 90-degree angle, stuffed inside the cover and then folded over. Mm -hmm. And I look down and it jumps out at me that this is a YA novel, which means young adult novel. And... I, my first thought, <laughs> username that Rob didn't mention, in case you're listening, was we haven't done a young adult novel since Backdooring the Brat. Oh. Oh, God. That's oh, right. So gosh. go back. I don't know what episode number it is, <laughs> but if you want to hear our last young adult review, Backdooring the Brat oh, was the one. Oh, God. 
Um, all right, so I, I feel like I have to do the synopsis for this book now. Once upon a time back at Daryl Harker School, Beatrice Hartley and her five best friends were the cool kids, the beautiful ones. Then the shocking death of Jim, their creative genius, and Beatrice's boyfriend changed everything. One year after graduation, Beatrice is returning to Wincroft, the seaside estate where they spent so many nights sharing secrets, crushes, plans to change the world, hoping she'll get to the bottom of the dark questions gnawing at her about Jim's death. But as the night plays out, in a haze of stilted jokes and unfathomable silence, Beatrice senses she's never going to know what really happened. Then a mysterious man knocks at the door. Blithely, he announces the impossible. Time for them has become stuck, snagged on a splinter that can only be removed if the former friends make the harshest of decisions. Now Beatrice has one last shot at answers, and at life. And so begins the Neverworld Wake. I'll be honest, I didn't hear a word you said because I was busy thinking about how clever my backdooring the brat comment was. <laughs> you were, I mean, don't like, you know, throw your back out, patting yourself, oh my patting God. yourself on the back. Genius, genius. Anyway, Great. whatever Rob just said, that's next. Oh, so. and I, I'm going to break in with a key page update. Dun, 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 we haven't dun, we haven't dun, done dun, one dun, of these dun, in a while. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I was trying to do like a ticker yeah, type. Yeah, I got uh-huh. you. Uh, like a breaking news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we haven't done one of these in a while, and we weren't really proud about where we got in 2017. But I feel like we're making strong progress. Um, five months into the year, um, we are at 3,905 pages reviewed in 2018. And just as a contrast for all of 2017, we uh, we were at 5,312. So we're about 1,400 pages away from 2017, and we're not even halfway through the year. So I feel pretty good about that. I know we have at least like 650 pages scheduled already. Easily. So that's scheduled. That's books we have on the calendar, including yeah. our next young adult novel, which we'll be back with um, next week. Until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>